Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. And the seventh angel trumpeted, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That is the seventh and final trumpet in Revelation chapter 11. We find it in verse 15. And with us today to celebrate this major turn of events in universal history is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the program. Good to be back, and I agree with you, this is a marvelous forthcoming event. Ron, the last couple of programs, we've been talking about the Great Tribulation, which began to occur during the fifth and sixth trumpets. Today, we've come to the seventh. This is the final, the last trumpet and the close of the Great Tribulation. We're going to spend our entire program on the seventh trumpet today. And if any of our listeners would like a more in-depth study, the printed life study goes into much more detail than we're able to get into here in the audio version. Uh, But there's a striking point regarding the timing, the sequence of things at the end time that I'd like for you to cover. Let me set it up this way. According to 1 Corinthians 15, the dead believers will be raised at the last trumpet and rewarded at Christ's coming. So if Christ comes at the seventh trumpet and the great tribulation takes place during the fifth and sixth trumpets, then how could it be that believers are raptured before the great tribulation? This is a splendid question, and thankfully, the Word of God gives us grounds to present, I believe, a clear response. The fact that The believers in general will be raptured at the time of the last trumpet, and that combined with the fact that the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, marks the end or the near end of the Great Tribulation. That indicates that the rapture of most of the believers alive on the earth will not be before the Great Tribulation starts. It will be toward the very end of the Great Tribulation, as indicated by these verses concerning the last trumpet and the seventh trumpet. But, based on portions such as Revelation 14, we see the rapture that we will describe initially now as the rapture of the victorious overcoming believers on the earth. They are described as the first fruits, those who ripen to maturity earlier than the crop in general. These first fruits, these overcomers, these who are kept from the hour of trial, these will be raptured 
just before the Great Tribulation begins. A certain professor of theology, about whom I say sincerely and purely, who should really be more careful in studying our writings, he claims that we believe in a partial rapture. That is not the truth. We believe in a rapture in stages, according to Revelation 14. The first fruits, signifying the overcoming living believers, will be raptured before the beginning of the Great Tribulation, since the Tribulation starts with the fifth trumpet, they'll be raptured before the fifth trumpet. But in 1 Corinthians 15, as well as in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul is speaking in a general way about the believers. And when he says in 1 Corinthians 15, their rapture will take place at the last trumpet, which is the seventh trumpet, marking the end of the Great Tribulation, we conclude from that the rapture of the majority of the living believers will be toward the end of the Great Tribulation. Now we go back to the reference to the crop, to the harvest of the crop as a whole in Revelation 14. They are not ripened when the first fruits were ripened, so they need the time of the Great Tribulation to seek the Lord desperately, to love him earnestly, to open to him unconditionally, to follow his word absolutely, so that they can make up for lost time and become rapture-ready by the end of the Great Tribulation. This is our understanding of the totality of the apostles' teaching concerning the rapture of the believers. It is not a central item in the faith— we're not interested in acrimonious debate or even any kind of debate. We present it before the Lord in sincerity for our fellow believers to consider. This is not merely a doctrinal interpretation. This is a life matter. If this understanding is correct, I say that just for the sake of possibility, if it's correct and believers dismiss it, then those who do so, let me be more direct, you will not be among the first fruits to be raptured. You will be among those taken at the last trumpet. I don't want to be among that group. I and so many others look to the Lord to mature ahead of time to be raptured as first fruits, not at the seventh trumpet, but before the fifth trumpet. Well, because this is such a critical point and it's a subject of so much conversation and debate, frankly, between believers, among believers, I, I think I'll give the listeners the references that we've been referring to. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 23 and 52 talk about the believers being raised at the last trumpet. And also, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, because the Lord himself with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Clearly, this is the last trumpet. Well, Ron, let's join Witness Lee and hear what he has to say on this intriguing question. 
when they send the trumpet, will be trumpeting. A lot of things will happen. How long will be that period? I cannot tell you, but you could even say the trumpeting of the last trumpet will last for eternity. Declaring, announcing, proclaiming God's eternal plan. In every trumpet of the six, there was only one item of the things that will transpire. But at the trumpeting of the seventh trumpet, number one, the kingdom of this earth will become the kingdom of Christ for eternity. The whole earth will become Christ's kingdom. And number two, he will exercise his judgment to make a decision who should share in the first resurrection of life according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Before Christ will resurrect the saints, he has firstly to make a judgment among all the dying people who will be <laughs> sharing the first resurrection of life and who will be sharing the second resurrection of condemnation. After the resurrection of the saints will happen and they will be raptured. First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that these dead saints will rise up, not coming down. Then they and we, the living ones, all will be caught up to the air. They will be raptured with us to the air. Then in there, Christ will set up his judgment seat. Just a seat, not a trunk. And this judgment seat is going to judge not the unsaved persons, but the saved to judge who of the saved persons is worthy of a reward and who is in need of a discipline. Ron, the sequence of events here uh, just seems too clear. But just for further clarity, maybe can you review what will happen again during the seventh trumpet? Okay, once again, we have a twofold situation. We have the final end of the Great Tribulation, the last trumpet. And we also have, at least for this present age, the consummation of God's economy. Related to this is Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, which tells us in the days that the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to trumpet, then the mystery of God is finished, as he announced the good news to his own slaves, the prophets. The mystery of God is finished. Well, the mystery of God is altogether positive. In Ephesians 1.9, Paul says God has made known to us the mystery of his will. In Colossians 2.2, 2, he tells us that Christ is the mystery of God. 
In Ephesians 3, 4, and 5, he reveals to us that the church is the mystery of Christ. Then in Ephesians 5, he talks about the great mystery, Christ and the church. The present age is commonly called the age of grace, which it surely is. It's also known by many as the age of the church, which it also is. But it is an age of mystery. God is working in a mysterious way, in a hidden way, requiring faith, faith in the one whom we have not yet seen. But at the timing of the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God will be finished. So two things will reach a culmination. On the one hand, there will be the end of this righteously unsparing judgment on the corrupted earth, on Antichrist and the false prophet, on the evil ones on the earth, on those who do not obey the eternal gospel to worship God and not receive the mark of the beast. That judgment will be completed. God will vindicate himself. He will avenge the blood of those that were slain, the martyrs. But at the same time, that trumpet will indicate the mystery of God is finished. Now we're in the final transition to an age of manifestation. When the Lord returns openly, he will be the son of righteousness to the whole earth. The kingdom which is now part of the mystery, as the Lord's word says in Mark chapter 4, to you is made known the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What was once a mystery will now become a manifestation. So this utterance in Revelation 10.7 is crucial. The mystery of God is finished. So now it's time for the Lord to come back, to intervene with the world situation openly, and to establish his kingdom on the earth. He will shine like the sun. It will be an age of glory on the earth, an age of righteousness in the kingdom. The seventh trumpet is a strong indicator. Now everything is ending. This age is over. The king is coming to possess the earth, but he's not coming alone. He's coming with those perfected during the age of mystery to be his warrior bride, his counterpart, and eventually the co-kings, his co-kings in the coming kingdom. I think this view is very important. Uh, the previous six trumpets were pretty much isolated events that were associated or are associated with a singular happening on earth. But the seventh is all-inclusive, and we just heard Witness Lee say it continues on through time and into eternity. I want to touch verse 18. We're going to see it picked up in this next section. It's a summary of the seventh trumpet and of all judgments. And the nations became angry, and your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and the time to give the reward to your slaves, the prophets, and to the saints, 
and to those who fear your name, to the small and to the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Here's Witness Lee. The third woe will be the seven bulls. Probably the seven bulls will all be put out within one day. That will be the closing of the great tribulation of the seven trumpets. And this seven trumpet is called the last trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15. At the last trumpet, the dead sins will be resurrected first. Then the living ones will be all caught up to there. Then by this, I can point out to you, how could you say that the rapture of the majority of the sins will be pre-tribulation? Nonsense. How could you say Christ will come back openly before the tribulation? Nonsense. The word in the Bible is so clear concerning this. After this rapture, Christ will set up his judgment seat to make a decision who will be chosen to get a reward to be his overcoming army and who will still need some discipline. Then he will come down with his chosen overcomers to fight the battle at Armageddon. The New Testament says Christ has been appointed to judge the living and the dead. When Christ will judge the living after he fought the battle at Armageddon, killing Antichrist and the false prophets and all the followers, then there will be a good number of the living unbelievers left on the earth. Then Christ will set up his throne at Jerusalem, taking Jerusalem as his capital on this earth. This is mentioned clearly in Matthew 25. Well, Ron, let's look at that verse in Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, at that time he will sit on the throne of his glory. This brings us once again to the matter of the rapture and the judgment of believers at the judgment seat of Christ. And then the reference to the throne of glory that we see here in Matthew 25. Talk a little bit about the throne of glory and how it is a judgment for living unbelievers and not to be confused with the judgment seat of Christ, which is for the believers. The judgment of all the believers in Christ at the judgment seat of Christ will take place before his manifest coming as the king in glory. If we study with an unveiled mind and a seeking spirit, we will realize the judgment mentioned in Matthew 25 is based upon the works or the behavior of these categories of people. So those that are considered the sheep, the Lord will say things like, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was hungry and you fed me. I needed clothing. You clothed me. I was in prison. You visited me. Then they will ask, Lord, when did we do this? The Lord will say, as you did it to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Well, eternal salvation is based on faith. 
not on giving people this kind of care. So what happened was, during the Great Tribulation, the faithful, believing Jews and the Christians are suffering. And many of the unbelievers on the earth are obeying the eternal gospel to believe in God and not to bear the mark of the beast. And they cared for the suffering brothers of the Lord Jesus. But there were others who were the opposite. They're categorized as goats. They did none of those things. So this is the criterion of the judgment. Those who are the sheep who cared for the suffering brothers of the Lord will become the people on the earth during the millennial kingdom. The overcoming believers will be the co-kings. The redeemed and recovered Israelites will be the priests. And these sheep, these ones who cared for the Lord's brothers, will be the people on the earth. Those that are regarded as goats will be put into judgment and be cast into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So that is not a judgment of true and false believers. That is not the judgment at the great white throne concerning one's eternal destiny. That is a judgment by the enthroned King Lord Jesus in Jerusalem of the living people on the earth, and they are evaluated as to whether or not they believed in the eternal gospel and whether or not they cared for the suffering believers. That is the judgment mentioned in Matthew 25. Well, Ron, this is our final section now of chapter 11. I would just bring our listeners back to when we began the life study of Revelation. It began with a picture of the throne of God with a rainbow around it. Now, at the end of chapter 11, we have this verse, 19. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings and voices and thunders and an earthquake and great hail. Specifically, the temple with the ark is the subject of our final section. Here again is Witness Lee. In the first section of this book, the throne in heaven with the rainbow was the center. In the second section of this book, not the throne with the rainbow, but the temple with the ark will be the center. For God's judgment, the throne with the rainbow is the center. For God building his temple with his ark is the center. Who will be the temple? The church. And who will be the ark? Christ. So for God building, the center will be still for eternity. Christ and the church. Ron, I think this final word may be a new thought for many of our listeners. Witness Lee broke down the entire book of Revelation into two sections. The first section has God's judgment ending at the end of chapter 11. And the second section brings us to God's building, doesn't it? Yes, this is very helpful to see this structure uh, of the book of Revelation. 
with the first section that ends with chapter 11, the governing factor is the throne with the rainbow. That vision of the throne with the rainbow recorded at the start of Revelation chapter 4, that's the governing factor for the Lord's executing a series of righteous judgments on the earth and all the evil institutions and the evil persons. The second section from chapters 12 through 22, on the one hand, gives us some details regarding matters mentioned in the overall picture in the first section. But in this second section, there's a different central or governing factor, and that is the temple of God with the ark. In the first section, the emphasis is the throne on which the faithful God, signified by the rainbow, is sitting and righteously judging everything worthy of judgment. But in the second section, the emphasis is on the temple, God's building, his eternal dwelling place, and the ark signifying Christ himself. So the emphasis is on God's building, which is the fulfillment of his prophecy, I will build my church. The whole Bible ends with the revelation of a building, not a physical city, but a corporate person, the wife, the bride of the Lamb, who's called the city New Jerusalem. This shows that even while the Lord is executing righteous judgment, he continues to carry out his heart's desire, his eternal purpose, his divine economy, to have Christ with the church. Christ is the center. Christ is the one who has the first place, the preeminence. Christ is our life and constitution. And the temple is God's building, the corporate expression of Christ, the dwelling place of God. So just seeing these two sections with these two governing factors opens up the whole book and floods us with fresh light. I'm so thankful to be a recipient of this faithful ministry to open up this mysterious book. Ron, we've covered a lot of ground today in a short time, and uh, here at the end of 11, we see the whole book of Revelation take a turn. The sequence is now set. From chapter 12 to the end come the details. I'd like to mention again the very helpful chart that's available to our listeners. Uh, if you call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY or send us an email, radio at lsm.org, we'll let you know how you can receive that. Again, our toll-free number, 1-888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org.
www.ofwalkingwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening today.